Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is DJ. This is Ish. And this is Pero Let, Let Me Tell, Tell You. Dale. Testing, testing, one, two, three. <laughs> Was that a cheer? Was I supposed to? <laughs> Do you hear me in stereo? It's twice. Do you hear me in stereo? Ah! Do you hear me in stereo? No. You must... Do you hear me in stereo? Do you hear oh, me in stereo? God. I mean, we're clearly having a Kylie Delirium moment. So I hope we have some Kylie <laughs> listeners in the house because otherwise you're going to not yeah. know what this foolishness no, can, was about. You know what? As many international listeners as we have. And when we mean Kylie, we mean Minogue. Yeah, yeah. The one and real Kylie. Other than Kylie, my cousin. Well, okay. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> but she's... She doesn't have five. a recording career as far as we She's know. She's five. So the right. true and original Kylie is Minogue. And it and yes. period, end of subject. That's really all there is to say. So literally, <laughs> uh, after episode 25 and with this statement, you know how we feel about that <laughs> other Kylie. Our declaration's been made. <laughs> anyway, everyone, welcome to episode 26. 26, yes. episodio. Yeah, and we're going to keep plowing through this until basically there's nothing left after the apocalypse but roaches, share, and us. And pero let me tell and you. Pero let me tell you. Pero not? we told them. We did, and we're saying it now. Uh-huh. Exactly. We're here first. <laughs> At least we'll be in good company with share. Well, the roaches. I don't know about the roaches. But maybe they'll be evolved. <laughs> and there'll be a bunch of roaches just listening to share. I mean, how bad can that be? Oh, my God. I just thought of, what is it, Joe's apartment? Joe's apartment. On MTV. Oh, my God. It's just a bu- You know what the best part about it being share and roaches is that you know inevitably there's going to be that one roach that it becomes a share impersonator mm-hmm. and i can't wait to see a cockroach share <laughs> what is it what's that song gypsy whores and thieves tramps you couldn't say whores back then <laughs> oh gypsies tramps, tramps and thieves. thieves yes i was gonna say hoes but i want to hear share say that now just be like gypsies hoes and thieves <laughs> do you know what's really interesting do you know that um the scene in the golden girls when Dorothy dressed up as Cher. And Alan Sophia was Sonny. Right? That was her favorite scene from the whole show. I don't blame her. I, I was a little surprised by that. I, 
but how we're talking about that, <laughs> I'm not, not sure. Why but not? then but, again, but it, well, what we should be talking about is the fact that this is we've done many interviews already, kind of on location. Mm-hmm. At this point, we've done a few, but this is the first one that we've actually ever done out of doors. It outdoors, was, we yeah, did. It was um, speaking with Gio Gutierrez, who is the founder, owner, creator, I don't, know, I don't know how many words we can use to describe it, for Chat Chow TV, which is an online um, film company, production company that focuses in the food space, whether it be you know actual foods, restaurants, drinks, etc., and things like that. Um, and we had a wonderful oh, conversation in his like, drinks. <laughs> awesome bar in his backyard, which looks like something out of a movie. It has like a it, lagoon. Yeah, and, it's like, very better homes and gardens. And yeah. he made us these great drinks. And I'm not even much of a drinker. And even I was like, oh, my God, what is this? Like, so good. Amazing concoction. They're oh, what I thought. What I thought was really interesting about our conversation with him. And, and again, it's really insightful. And I think you guys will really enjoy it. He actually is a brand ambassador yep. for Havana Club Rum. The real one. The real one. And, <laughs> and you'll see the distinction and when you get for our here. listeners who have been with us since the very first episode, yep. you may remember that in episode number three, we had as a major point of conversation uh, Havana Club Rum. And the and history of the rum. The which whole he history. helped expand upon the whole, in this Well, what we talked about in episode three uh, about the history of the rum and, you know, versus the one they sell right. in Cuba and the in rest of the world. In relation to the marketing campaign right, at the time. Versus the mm-hmm. one made by Bacardi. Correct. That's the original from the Archebala family. Mm-hmm. What I thought was really interesting, and again, it's kind of like full circle, is that six months later, yeah. we sat down with the brand ambassador of Bacardi, of, of Havana Club from for Bacardi, and he gave us that history lesson and because we like to bring everything completely full circle even more six months from now we're just going to have an interview with Raul Castro and ask him what happened (laughs) oh my god (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing listen if we can get Raul Castro I'll take it. I'll listen, take the interview. Listen, if Enrique Santos was able to get on the phone with Fidel Castro, I, th- I think maybe we can use a Ouija board and get Fidel Castro. I don't know about that. That's not the send. That's not the direction we want to take our podcast in. But no, but it was really interesting yeah. that this topic that we once talked about, kind of Just from kinda, a lay perspective, yeah. we actually got it directly from yes. the Bacardi, you know, the Bacardi yeah, rep. Yeah. And he really gave us details and all that. And it's a, yeah. a very, very interesting conversation of of not only Havana Club Rome, but just culture in general yep. and, and food, food and, and drink and, and drink and where we are in social media. I mean, Gio yeah. really brought to the table a lot of different. Um... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Pieces and a lot of different topics that are very relevant in today's yeah. society. So, and it was it, great after, because I know you, after we finished the interview, he was doing a, a gig at a local um, a local restaurant. I know you weren't able to go, but I was able to see him. The local. It's called <laughs> The Local, yeah. I was actually able to see him like in his quote unquote natural habitat. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, he's just as gregarious and yeah. friendly with just, you know, being behind the bar. It's almost just like that's his yeah. thing. And he was wonderful. He he yeah. hosted us at his home and he was very, very. Um, we helped move a table. <laughs> he was. <laughs> Uh, he was extremely kind to us. Again, he made us drinks, and we were there having a conversation with him, like yeah. you know, three old friends kicking it. So I hope I hope that really comes across in the interview. So, yeah. and um, without further ado, then I guess our talk with uh, with Gio from, from Chat TV. TV. Enjoy. Hope everybody enjoys. Bye bye. Hey listeners, welcome back. We're here Bienvenidos. with Yeah, we're here with Gio Gutierrez, founder of Chat Chow TV and also brand ambassador for Havana Club Rum, the real Havana, Havana Club, Club Rum. As we've made a very good point of saying in previous episodes. Thanks for joining us, Gio. What's going on, guys? Cheers. Welcome Cheers, to Pero Let Me Tell yes, You. Welcome. And we are actually having describe the drink, Gio. This is a, an airmail. Tell us what's in it. It's Havana Club Blanco, a little honey syrup, lime, uh, we top it off with champagne. Oh, it's actually really freaking delicious. It's what it perfect. Is. Yeah. And we're sitting outside actually here in uh, near Geo's Pond. We're actually outside in his place. It's gorgeous, man. Seriously. I'm Thank not just you. saying it because you're in front of me, but because it's Thank true. You. His backyard is something that you see in like movies and TV shows where people go and have a party and like hang out and you look at it and you go, man, I want that backyard. <laughs> or it's something that they charge you more for on HGTV. <laughs> <laughs> Either way. <laughs> anyway, so. anyway, Gio, so um, tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are, yeah. what you do, and how you started. So, Chat Chow is a, something that I started a few years ago. I loved, uh, I still love food, I love drinking, and I basically wanted to create a podcast where we interviewed people in the food industry, whether it was a chef, an owner of a restaurant, a bartender, mm-hmm. anyone with personality doing something really cool in the city mm-hmm. of ours in Miami and and kind of do a cool little 10 minute little snippet video. So it's like a video podcast. Yeah, it's, it's like, a, like a vlog almost. Yeah, we launched as a video podcast uh, weekly, then became monthly, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun. We shot we shot so much content, I can't even tell you how many episodes. And now it's just also a blog, it's also social media now, you live on Instagram and all that jazz. So. It's kind of taking a life of its own. For sure, for sure. Yeah. The times are changing. Definitely, definitely. So for, for those of our listeners who are just tuning in, I know that you started this in 2011, so it was about seven years ago. What would you say is the biggest change from when you started till now? Just, I mean, in general, the, 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 either the media landscape or the food landscape, what are some of the biggest changes? I think food's the same. Miami, Miami's been very, uh, I mean, there's trends. Right, like mm-hmm. obviously food halls is now like the trend du jour okay. in, in Miami. But in general, there's there's always been uh, great local chefs. Uh, look at the pub belly; those guys have been on I think for ten years now. Yeah, you know, um, you you still have the, the local chefs doing really cool stuff. Local pizza guys like Franco Stanzione, young kid, twenty nine years old, already five year old shop, like to, to think. Wow. Um, and being successful at it, or Asuka ice cream down the street from us. Rico, I freaking love Asuka. So to me, it's Miami's been very cool and hyper local mm-hmm. always, which I love. And if you look at all the New York or Chicago restaurants, chefs come down here, they usually fail. Why do you think that is? I think because we support our people. I, I do. I think they come in not knowing how to be Miami. Not they don't integrate themselves in the city. They're not part of food events. They don't do guest chef dinners. 
that kind of stuff I think is what makes them kind of like an outskirt they think oh we're gonna make we're gonna survive you know being a, a tourist spot right okay just being a name uh, on whatever hotel in South Beach on Ocean Drive that's not gonna get you so far nope so with that said what do you think is the actual Miami I would say like style or flavor what makes a authentic Miami restaurant succeed versus what you said like a name brand chef fan yeah cause you said they don't know how to be Miami right what does that mean what is Miami yeah. I, I, I think in general eating in general for me is consistency I'd rather have a good consistent meal mm-hmm. than a great inconsistent restaurant okay. right so okay I love Hillstones, for example. I You're do not too. Miami, and I'm not. So now I'm giving you the opposite. Right? Right, right, right. Hillstone is consistently great. There are so many details about that restaurant that people never realize. Uh, not one table there ever wobbles. They screw the tables down to the floor. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about that. Little details. They're the number one Houston or Hillstone in the country. That one. And the one in the, the one of the Gables. And they don't even know why. Everyone trains there, so those people are there constantly evolving. Like all the GMs oh. go to train there. And there's, there's just a level of perfection that those guys have nailed down. Uh, I've eaten the whole menu. I love everything. There's everything that dishes. Every 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 dish in that menu is incredible. You know? And you, you are absolutely right. It's very consistent. Always. It's not food that maybe will blow your mind, but it's always good. Right. It's you know always, what you're going to get. It's always solid. You, yeah. You're going to get an amazing veggie burger or whatever. The same sushi roll that you liked. Or, it's just always, you know, as opposed to being inconsistent, which I think is, is the flaw of a lot of places. Do you find that because again, Chat Chow, you guys don't just focus on South Florida. You you are national, really. I mean, I've seen you know you, you've got some stuff posted from like Nashville, New York, etc. Right. Do you find that that's the case across the board, or that there's some cities, markets where it's like, eh, they're inconsistent, but they skate by on the name. No, I think I, if if anything, Miami's usually behind in, okay. tre- in trends. Usually, honestly, because we're so far down south, <laughs> and we're a new city. People, people forget that. People forget that, like, you know, people compare us to New York, bro. Like, we're like a hundred years old. Like, yeah, they're ahead of us by a way. Yeah, by 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 set. You know, it's, yeah, it's crazy. So of course, there's more history, more culture, more. There's just more there. There's just more there, and, and it's just an evolution there that we're still new. We're still new, and we're still trying to find ourselves, find our way, and that that's just a reality of. So you you cannot compare us. You know. Right. Uh, you can't, and not to say it's a bad thing. It's it's a great thing. We're 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 evolving different ways. But yes, like, you know, I was in New York uh, a month ago, and there's now bone bone broth. It's like a huge trend there. People are drinking broth. It's healthy. It's, wait, it's wait, wait, wait. broth. Yeah. Broth made out of just like bone, lo hueso, like yeah. the bone marrow. You do chicken broth. There's mushroom broth. There's mushrooms beef don't broth. have bones. No, but like they. Like, oh, okay. The, the, the vegetarian <laughs> okay. version, okay. you know. Yeah. To give you an example, there's. It's like a trend there. You know what I'm saying? Like it's here we don't that doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Just like think food halls be, or but do you think it's cultural? Because there's such a Hispanic or Latin influence down here that there are certain things that just kind of don't take off compared to other parts of the country? No, I don't think I don't, I don't think so. No. Uh, Cuban restaurants. Mm-hmm. Like, what's your favorite Cuban restaurant? I'm so basic. I'm gonna say Sid Heels. Okay. I'm gonna say um La Carreta, I don't know. <laughs> He's not big on Cuban food, so... You're not? Yeah. But, it's, but it's crazy to think that, right? Or, like, right. who's doing modern Cuban, right? No one. I go to New York, 
and there's a place called Victor's Cafe. They actually used to yeah. be oh, yeah. on, on Times Square. Yeah, and they're they're still legit incredible. They're slammed every night. Yeah, they've been there forever. Forever. And the the left side of the menu is classic, mm-hmm. and the right side is modern Cuban food. And the modern stuff is always so creative and incredible for me. They'll do like a... One time I was there, I had a ropa vieja ravioli. Ravioli. That, yeah, kind, of, that yeah. kind of stuff. I had a recently a, a plantain chip breaded fish. Oh, like, that sounds good. What would you say then about something like Finca? Because, I love Finca. Because Finca, I mean, Eileen, she, she, I, I, I mean, Cuban. What is it? Cuban, Peruvian, and Korean. Asian, it's like Asian. Yeah, it's Asian. I mean, who would have thought yeah. that? And somehow it works. Yes. And I mean, she. That place is always always slammed. Always, yeah. She's a great example of, of a young chef crushing it for sure. Uh, I love her. I love that restaurant. I try to go as far. I like to drink, so <laughs> it's a pricey yeah. Uber for me. <laughs> but I love, I, I go there and have a great time. I was there for the day before my birthday. I was just having a, a, a ball, and I, you know. Um, right. But she's doing fusion, yeah. like, like great, cool Asian fusion, which is which is very unique. And I think she's just doing something extre- extremely unique and, and out of the ordinary, especially out there in Kendall. Yeah. Sure. yeah, there's nothing like that over there. Nothing. Well, there's very few things like that anywhere in Miami, I think. Yeah, but I mean, if she would have, I mean, what do you think? If she would opened up in like Wynwood or in the beach, she would have had all this like competition, maybe. And yeah, like like would she survive in Little Havana? I don't think so. No, but the palette in Little Havana is different. Right, it's all yeah. tourists, you know. Like one, so recent stats was one out of three tourists in Miami go to Little Havana now, which is crazy. Wow. Yeah. And you see the buses just, you know. Monday to Sunday, just yeah. just droves of people, and all, all they're doing, honestly, they walk around, take pictures of, of the Domino Park. They'll have an azúcar ice cream. They'll go to Ball and Chain, have a, a rum cocktail, yeah. dance on the streets, and that's it. Apenas se toma un café. There's not day. much, you know. You, you don't see tourists at, for example, at El Rey de la Frita, right? Which is a place that I take all my tourist friends to. I'm like, if you want to have something in Miami that you'll never have anywhere else in the country, it's a Frito. It's not a croqueta. You can find those everywhere, or a variation of it. But a frita, it's, it's very unique to Miami. And you could only find, like, in, you know, Little Havana, pretty much, honestly. Well, let me ask you this, though. Somebody coming out of town from another state who's never been to Miami, yeah. if you would take them to three places that you would say have that Miami flavor culture, wh- where would it be? I want them to do like classic or like modern, like whatever. Mix it up. Mix it up. I, I love Little Havana. I take I take people to to Rey Tavo Frita, go down the street, give them a croqueta or empanada. They've probably had that already, but I love going to Azúcar Ice Cream. I love going to a ball, you know, ball and chain. Talk about the history of that place. It's incredible history there, and having some classic rum cocktails they normally don't drink, not mojito, sí. not rum mm. and coke. Like let's talk about something really cool and different that you'll never. You probably never had before right. that, that they know how to make there. I go to the little fruit fruiteria, eh, Los Pinareños. Yeah. There's, a, there's a woman there named Guillermina. That's I know been her on name. Food Network. She doesn't know who I am, and I love her. And I'm like, Guillermina. She, she gives me a stink eye. <laughs> and I have a drink named after her because I love her. And I have her make me uh, a fresh sugar cane. Like, people never have fresh sugar cane. Just like the whole stock in that machine. I, I, actually, like what apple. I actually like what to apple. chew on sugar cane. Guadapo, for yeah, sure. Yeah. But people, that's one thing you don't get anywhere. Yeah. Right? Like, apple. And then, of course, I have her do it with uh, a little ginger and pineapple I, I, and I make a cocktail with it. So. I was going to say, what is the Guillermina? I feel like if your drink is named Guillermina, I need to know what's in it. Lime, Okay. her sugar cane, her pineapple and ginger, and then rum. That's a pretty simple. It's delicious. Yeah. And you have the Guillermina. The Guillermina. That's right. Yeah. So, um, with that said, in, in terms of Cuban food, do you think that 
having somebody especially out of town having cuban food is still representative of who we are or again would you mix it up to like take them somewhere in like winwood or, or something like that for sure that, that's where you get into you know the, the thing is like for me pub belly right that that's asian inspired but the chef is puerto rican so you have like mofongo right but mm-hmm. you deal with asian flavors to me as an example of miami it's it's that that blend that mix that, yeah. that we are, that, you know, yeah. the mutt that, that is Miami the, for sure. The reason I, I asked that... we talk about Mofongo on this podcast. The reason I asked that is because a lot of times when I've had friends from out of state come here, they're like, oh, I heard of that restaurant, Ver- Versailles, Versailles, and I'm yeah. like, should I go there? And I'm kind of like, oh, I mean, that's very touristy. I don't but, like it. I don't like Versailles. I prefer Versailles to La Carreta. I'm the opposite. See, no. I, I feel like Versailles because there's only one, so it's... You know, you're not gonna get. It's not that chain feeling. But regardless, I don't want to send them to someplace typical. Like, right. I, I know obviously that that's an icon of Cuban food, but right. I feel there's so many other places, and no disrespect to Versailles or La Carreta, that are like hole in the wall places that maybe you know, yeah, can represent Miami, the current Miami more. So, have you been to Ariette? No, but I heard they have like one of the best burgers. Yeah. yeah so they they just got uh, voted by Burger Beast. Which we may know a thing or two about Burger Wait, Beast. Who's Burger Beast? I don't know. Some guy. I think he's in a casino. I don't know. Is it a girl? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but uh, with the, for the Miami Herald, he, he voted them the number one burger. But the chef is Cuban. And it's funny. I was with him in New York a, a few months ago. I, I took him out on a trip, and I, you know we're like in the bathroom, like two two dudes talking after a couple of rum drinks, and I'm like, you're like, why don't you just own that you're a modern Cuban food? Like you're just you're a modern like you are you can be Cuban influence but he never would say that that was, that's never like on the website that's never okay. and like the next day he posts thing on Facebook like I'm Cuban and this is my because and and, and, it is he'll do like plátano maduro in, with like foie so again Cuban but modern with, right. with some French cuisine he does uh he does fritas his fritas are incredible he does modern versions of it too with American blue cheese and yum so he'll do like different twists on it. But his food is Cuban influence for sure, hands down. He did now. Um, he was here last night. He, we had a little party, and he cooked. Uh, he did for us um, gazpacho of mm-hmm. mame. Oh, like that's that mame is Cuban, right? Okay. Like, Next time we need to be here. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, that's just. A, I, I mean, we're inviting ourselves because that sounds absolutely delicious. Yeah. He said, he said mame. <laughs> or he did, he, he did a homemade pastelitos, but with chicken liver mousse, like like Ooh. fancy, like and they were inc- it was yeah. incredible, you know. So that's. That's again. I take people there a lot. Wow. We gotta go there. We've heard so many good things about this place. We need to go, and also I need to have a frita now because you've mentioned frita like eight times I in know. this conversation, and I, I had one like two weeks ago. Estoy, <laughs> like we had um we had Burger Beast uh, frita the the Palomilla Grill. Yeah. How was it? It was it was excellent, yeah. Yeah. and that place of Palomilla Grill, they have the best um, chorizo croquetas. Yeah. Have you been? Yeah, amazing, amazing. And I'm usually very much a traditionalist when it comes to croquetas, right? And that kind of blew my mind. <laughs> I actually like the ropa vieja croqueta, and I hate ropa vieja. Have you had those croquetas? I've been meaning to go there. I think that's up in your neighborhood, like where, where your office is. Delivery. They're, they're modern croquetas. Those are like mac and cheese croquetas. They have a 305, which is like picadillo and beans. They're just, they're, they're modern and they're humongous, huge. And it's delivery only. They're crushing it. They're only delivery. Uh, they're going to get a brick and mortar soon, but yeah, they're delivery. Oh, shit. But they're yeah. incredible. They're, and again, fun, modern, cool. So, 
This is more of a broad question, I'm really but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, I mean, the drinks are great, but we're gonna have to order we, some takeout we soon. A, we need a round two. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're definitely having a round this two. This is this is more of a broad question, but we always, you know, whenever we interview people that are from Miami and and you know have that Miami perspective, we always like to ask them something similar. If you would describe Miami in 2018 to somebody who has that kind of antiquated idea of what we are, you know, uh, that you know we're just South Beach and partying and bars and all that stuff, you know, what they see in music videos videos. and and all that. How would you describe Miami 2018? That's tough, man, because I think I think that charm, for for the lack of better words, whether whether you like it or not. It's still part of us. It's still part of our culture and our history. And you could totally shame that. You could totally shame Will Smith and all that. But there's something also beautiful about it, right? It's something very unique that we own. Yeah. Uh, Cosmopolitans. Like that, that whole vibe. Pink, flamingos. Mm-hmm. It, it's, to me, that's still cool. You know, yeah. it's like I was I was in Nashville uh, for my birthday in June. This is July already. We'll probably hear this. I don't know when. But <laughs> It'll probably be like in August. Yeah, yeah September. But my birthday was in June. I, I go to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Never been. I want to go drink some whiskey and have fun. Nashville's great. And a friend of ours who owns a bunch of bars in, in here in Miami has a successful bar called the Flamingo Cocktail Bar in Nashville. It is an old church. He painted it pink. And it's Miami to the T. Like yeah. The music, the cocktails, the people, the bartenders working. There's a, the, the DJ's up on the altar. Like it's as he sac- should be sacrilegious, but it was, I, I but think it was, I want to go to that. Well, place. it depends on what you worship. <laughs> but it was incredible, right? Yeah, but it was to me. It's like it's like we're in, I'm in Nashville, bro, and I'm, I'm like listening to Miami music, Miami vibes, and I love that, right? But that's like a beautiful blend of almost like Miami and New York because you've got like the limelight, For sure, and then the Miami vibe, yeah. So it's is it so, you know, is it bad to say we're still that? You know, I don't think so. I I, I don't think. Listen, I never go to Ocean Drive. I I never go to Ocean Drive. Right. But we went to Mangles tomorrow. We'd have a great time. No, no doubt. You know, no like, doubt. We just don't go because we're locals. Twenty some years later, Mango is still like <laughs> killing it every night. <laughs> every night. It's funny because I say this story all the time on the podcast. So to our listeners who hear this story in and out, I, I, you're going to hear it again. I went to school in the Midwest in Michigan, and people thought it was so exotic that I was from Miami, sure. and they would ask me all these questions about Miami. Do you go to the beach every day or all yeah. the time? Like, you know, obviously because I'm from here, I have a, a realistic perspective of it. But it was just interesting to see that people had this like romanticized view of how exciting Miami was. Yeah. And and it really kind of like blew my mind that they really thought that. And and, and I think that is real. We're just spoiled. We're just spoiled. We, we go to the beach and we go over that beautiful causeway and we don't reflect on mm-hmm. to the left and to the right and be like, this is incredible. Like, people don't see that. Yeah. The rest of the country doesn't have that. Yeah, we take it for granted. We're in the perimeter, you know? Like, everything, everybody else has doesn't even see that. So it's... That's true. We, we take it for granted. We really do. So it's one of those things where like, it's it's amazing. I, I I still I still reflect on that and and and, and love the city for sure, hands down. So that's a good top area now to shift gears a little bit, because one of the things that um, we also know is that you are a brand ambassador for Havana Club Rum. You read my mind, dude. I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna be like, so shifting topics. This is why we've known each other for thirty yes, years. Yes, this is true. Um, so, I mean, we've talked about Havana Club Rum in this podcast before. Mm-hmm. In fact, in our 21st episode, we got drunk on the sh- on the episode on Havana Club Rum. We took, what, like 18 shots of rum? 
a bottle and a half later. We were playing I, a drinking I stopped, game. I stopped counting. And one. Havana Club. Yeah, yeah, they they certainly won. So, tell us a little bit about the history of Havana Club, Ron. Coming from your perspective, obviously, that you can we take it a step further? How did you get involved with Havana Club? Right. And then you know, being Cuban, I'm assuming Cuban. I don't know you personally, but I'm right. looking at your shirt saying, "Actually, I'm in Havana." Yes. I'm gonna make that assumption yes. that you're probably Cuban. I was born in Cuba, correct? You uh, were born in Cuba. Yeah. Oh, see, did not know that. Where whereabouts? Havana. Okay. Yeah. Well, there we go. There we go. <laughs> And it actually, it's a it's a shirt of I was, I was wearing this all day, but this is a wasn't intentional. But this is one of the first shops in Cuba selling making T-shirts. Oh, clandestine! It's it's a it's a woman, I believe it's a woman, but she's um yeah she's you could buy them on Amazon. So the shirt is you got that in Cuba? No, she she makes them in Cuba. Oh, you she makes them in Cuba. Cuba. She has a store in Cuba, uh-huh. but she she's also on Amazon. Oh, okay. Does she oh. use a drone? Somehow, somehow she's able to do this, you know. I love the fact that her name is Clandestina. Yeah, yeah. And she does cool designs, but this is like her original right. shirt. Is this right? Oh, well, I don't know if you're listening to us, Clandestina, but I'm digging the shirt. We'll take a picture of him in the shirt, and we'll yeah. we'll post. I'm it. assuming tag. If she's on Amazon, she's gonna be on. Yeah, Instagram. she's gonna be on Instagram. Yeah. So no, I, yeah, man. Listen, I go to Cuba. I was there three times last year. Oh wow. I you know family's still there. I, I I've gone with bartenders and educated them on the whole Cuban cocktail culture. All right, Deal, tell us what you're doing here. Yeah, I saw you with some Café Cubano there. What's, what, what, what are you making there? We're making a cocktail called Havana Café. All right. With the Clásico dark rum. We have a little bit of nice sweet vermouth. You're saying that's your, one of your favorite things, right? Vermouth? Yes, I love it. Uh, Cuban coffee. Ooh. And I saw there was a pomita in there. So you made it well. Yes. According to the Colada boys, yes. you made it well. Yeah. And that's it. And that's it? That's, that's it. Damn, that's awesome. I love that the things that we've you've made for us so far are just very simple. It's literally like three ingredients. Just mix it, put ice, and go. And go. Do you find that those are the those are like the best recipes? I mean, there's to appreciate a product. Yeah. Okay. You know, like I want to try a great vodka. I would try a martini. Okay. Because you want to bring out the flavor of the 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 liquor itself, the liqueur. The minute you add, the minute it's like. 10 ingredients, you're trying everything else, which I yeah. like those drinks too, but... You're not tasting the liquor. Yeah. Here we're, we're actually, I want you guys to, to try some some good drinks. And one of the things I love that you did with us with the, the airmail, which we've all chugged at this point because it was absolutely delicious, is that you gave us each different glasses. Yes. And I thought that was really cool because it was, it, it, you know, it adds a little flair to, to just, eh, here's your flute, here's your culpa, you For know, sure. it's, it's a little different, so that was really cool. Same with the, I have a lot of watch glasses. I'm gonna bring out some, but <laughs> in the interest of time and just exactly. having another drink in this sweltering heat. Yeah. <laughs> and the flies are crazy too. It wasn't like this yesterday. See, that's the part where I always get stuck, which is the the garnish. I never garnish. Garnish is people think garnish is just visual. It's a lot, man. It's smell. It's taste. It really is. It really adds to it. Oh, for sure. There's no lemons drink. I'm gonna add this in there and you're gonna tell me that it tastes like lemon. I'm gonna be like, this is lemon. There's no lemon. And the lemon with the with the acidity of the Cuban coffee It's delicious. Uh, it it, it kinda what it, it cancels it out or no, it brings it out. Really? More? Because they're both acidic. Hmm. But it brings out those notes. Okay. So all the oils in the outside of the skin, mm-hmm. so when you see bartenders do this, if you give me the back of your hand. When bartenders do that, I don't like, even know what you just did. <laughs> smell your hand. Oh shit! Taste it. Look it. It's all lemon. 
So and, and off, but yes. Yes, but <laughs> but when you see people do this, you're like, what the? by squeezing, oils are just squirting oils into the drink. Huh. Mm. Let me do it softly. If I, yeah. If I did it really hard, like... like, like you didn't even see him do anything. No. It was like, yeah. Right. No, when you do it for a drink, I... I no, pero digo, like, con lo poquitico that you did it. Right. And it came through. Yeah. These are fun, little. Look at these. Oh, yeah, I'm going to take a picture of that. Havana <laughs> Cafe. This, uh, you know what? I, 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 I know we say this after every every interview, but this is my favorite interview. Because so far, nobody's made us drinks. So this is my favorite interview. Hey, we were about to start with Havana Club. Oh, okay. Okay, bueno. Cheers. Well, actually, you know what? Let's take a picture of us um, cheering. Cheering? Cheering. <laughs> what high school did you go to? I went to four high school. That was trouble. To where? I went to four different high schools. All was trouble. <laughs> All right, well, let's, let's go. We're good. Maybe, maybe one of them was where we went. <laughs> yeah. Cheers! You spilled some on me. Oh, damn. I'm sorry. Okay, I'll give you an apple. Oh, my God. I mean, I have no doubt it's good, but... <laughs> How's the drink? Oh, God. Thank you so much. Taste it off your Oh, hands. my God. That's insane. That's you know what I like the most about it? What? The lemon. The lemon. <laughs> the lemon. No, I like the cafe. But then because again, I love coffee. And I was jonesing for coffee earlier so thank you for that because yeah it's like the you taste everything and then the lemon kind of comes and kicks you it's nice it's like undertone but you taste lemon and there's nothing the lemon so i'm saying like it's there yeah. without being there as an ingredient i love it i love it <laughs> yeah it's this is the first podcast we had shoot like we're, well we've had shots last time having these like nice drinks so it's casually yeah, I, figured, I figured i'd do something different with you guys for sure no i appreciate it thank you oh my god so okay so yeah we're, now we're <laughs> drinking what's the name of this so now we're drinking Havana Cafe. Havana Cafe. And that's rum, vermouth. Yep. We did a little Havana Club, the Classico, the dark one. A little martini, sweet vermouth. Mm-hmm. And Cuban coffee. Cuban coffee. And you make the Cuban coffee like you would normally make it with Legit. the sugar, with yep. everything. Yep. If I don't make it, so when I travel the country and I, I make this drink, if I can't find Cuban coffee, which is, I never find it, I <laughs> buy any cold brew. We're going to add a little bit of, of Demerara syrup, like the dark brown sugar. Okay. I make it, I'm, you know, mix it with water, make a syrup out of it. And that adds a little bit of that Cuban coffee flavor. Right. Cuban coffee in a pinch. That's it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I know we were talking about you um, you being from Cuba. And actually, listeners, we, we kind of took a pause there because there was an airplane flying over us, which is one of the beauties of recording outdoors. And I was thirsty. And we were, Yeah, he was thirsty and we had to oblige. I mean, what kind of guest would we be if we said no? Rude. <laughs> so we were talking about Havana Club. And how you came to be their ambassador, and you know he kind of got started with them. And, and again, listeners, as you know from past podcasts, when we talk about Havana Club, we're talking about the real Havana Club, not that communist bullshit that happens over there. Um, we're talking about the one that is it's Bacardi, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. exactly. So I'll tell you. So I'll tell you a little bit about my involvement, and then we could jump into into the the history because I think it's very important. People don't don't know this absolutely, and I think your listeners will, will appreciate this, and I'll be open as a book. But I, Bacardi hired me five years ago uh, as a rum ambassador mm-hmm. in Florida on Facundo. Facundo is the first name of the Bacardi family, of the, 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 the founder. Okay. Bacardi's the last name. Facundo's oh, so his first name was Facundo Bacardi. Exactly. Okay. And to this day, like the first son is named Facundo. Like right now, it's the president still. You know, Facundo's the family. He's there. He's. It goes on and on and on for generations. It's a great name. Great family business. They're not publicly traded. They're a private company. Oh wow! People don't know that, but yeah, they're the number one biggest private 
company in the liquor business. So they asked me to help them launch Facundo, which is the family's private sipping rum collection. Very luxury, very high end. It's incredible mm-hmm. sipping rum. So I did that for four, five, four, four years, and mm-hmm. basically, uh, in the last year, they like, hey, let's uh, let's put you on this new thing we, we're doing called Havana Club, and I jumped on it with, without without a, a second of, of <laughs> doubt in my mind. I'm like, yes, give it to me, because um, like the mothership calling you home. For sure, this is this is home to me, man. This is a. Uh, a brand that has a lot of soul and, and there's a lot of spirit in this period. No pun intended. No, no <laughs> at all. But you know, people people know this uh, yellow, red Havana Club label that mm-hmm. you know you couldn't get forever in Cuba, and it was you know a unicorn, and you know now with the embargo lifting a little bit, people right. can take out a hundred dollars worth and whatever. That's all bullshit. Okay. It isn't. It isn't. The reality is is there's a lot of history, and we we need to rewind a little bit. Uh, these guys was they had a chavala as a family, mm-hmm. just like Bacardi. They had a chavala as a family. Um, they started in Cardenas in Spain. They, sorry, in Vizcaya uh, region in Spain. Mm-hmm. They end up in Cardenas, Cuba, and they create a chavala industries. And it was huge industries. They, they I found out last month that my grandfather worked in La Central Progreso, which was they were the owners of, and he wow. worked for them for many, many years. Wow. I, I found out about that a month ago, because I always oh, knew wow. that he worked in La Central Progreso, but I didn't know that it was the owners were the Arche Chavala family. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that's, and they employed hundreds of people. They, I mean, they, they were so Jose Arrechavala is the main guy who starts this in, in 1878. Jesus. So th- think about that, 1878. So he's, he's doing that, and they're doing cognac, vermouth, candy for kids, anything sugar. Sugar at that point, sugar is gold okay. uh, in Cuba. Makes sense. So you fast forward, and Ramon Arrechavala mm-hmm. is now in charge of the company, and, and he's there, and, and in 1934, uh, 35, launches this Havana Club. This What we know today. What we No, this that we have in front of you right now. Oh, okay. What we're currently drinking. Okay. Hey, I'm gonna show you pictures, but it looked like this: the font, the brand, this red label the f- that was very uh, ubiquitous to them. Mm-hmm. This recipe, okay. This logo in the front is their family crest from Spain with the wolves on oh. the tree. Yeah, it even says on on the on the crest, uh, fundada in 1878. Yeah, in, you know, so, so this and and the guy was a mark. Ramon was a marketing genius. The guy he he calls it Havana with a V, not with a B. Not Havana, Havana. So tourists and Americans know how to pronounce it, because this was found in New York at the Stork Club. The Stork so, Club? Yep. Nice. Yep. This this Havana that's, Club. That's Harlem, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, this Havana Club existed. Prohibition is there. Everyone's drinking this. But Cardi still exists. Of course, they were competitors in Cuba. Mm. But these guys are very successful. Fast forward, Castro. Castro comes in and nationalizes these guys. Now. You guys that are Cuban, you know, the word nationalized is pretty much all your shit's mine at gunpoint. You know, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. they come in one day and they're... That's a perfect way of putting it. Yeah, they come in at gunpoint in the military, the militia, and and mm. imagine your whole business, everything you've ever worked for. This family since 1878, they lose everything at gunpoint, and everything be- belongs to the Cuban government. Uh, this was a Castro. This happened to these guys in 1960, mm-hmm. January 1st, immediately. They lose everything. Three years later, they arrest Ramon for having a, a party for having liquor at a party bullshit excuse Sorry. they put him in jail 
Uh, they give them three options of stay, stay in jail, become a communist, cut shuriken, or, or leave. So not much of an option. Him, yeah. his wife, you know, the family, they, they basically end up and go back to Spain. From Spain, they end up here. This ceases to exist. Everything ceases to exist. You know, Havana Club is not a unique story of, of a company being nationalized in Cuba. It's happened to Florida Sugar Crystals. Yeah. Uh, Gilda Crackers. I mean, you go... Over 380 businesses lost everything. But Cardi survives. And here's but hold where, on, sorry. Yeah. So they didn't take, they didn't continue the Havana Club business when they went back to Spain and then the U.S. No. They kind of just said, you know what, we're no. done. We're, we're, no, it, it, at that moment in time, Ramon was very, uh, one of these old school Cuban guys in the sense of saying, I'll go back to Cuba and everything will be mine again. Okay. Right. This, this can't is temporary. forever. Right. This is temporary. I'm not leaving Cuba. This guy should leave Cuba. Castle should leave. Whatever. Mm-hmm. One of those guys. Uh, you know, he passed away as a, bro, as, a, as a car salesman here in Little Anna. Oh, wow. A family, a family of this history of, of, of building an empire. Lost everything. He never went back to Cuba, nothing. I, I know his wife. His, his wife's name is Amparo. She's, she's still alive. He passed away. That's such a beautiful old school Cuban name. Amparo. Amparo. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, so the family, man, the, the, they lost everything. But Cardi survives. But Cardi survives, which is part of the history. It's important. They were pro-Castro. A lot of people were. Castro was not communist at the beginning. He was a socialist. And he, you know, he he had, he had switched. Mm-hmm. And Bacardi supported Castro, funded army, paid taxes and everything. Uh, and then when, when, when Castro switches, mm-hmm. uh, Bacardi gets nationalized. But six months later, after almost every other business, uh, Bacardi saw the writings on the wall and was already shipping their barrels, their recipes, their yeast, everything to Puerto Rico and Mexico. So they were thinking ahead. Yeah. So by the time they lose everything in Cuba, they survive as a company we know today because of that. Because of foresight, because of Castro. Well, luck. That, yeah, that's, I think level. that's where the confusion a lot of times comes yeah. from. People, some yeah, people yeah. think Bacardi's a Puerto Rican company, and on uh, paper, yes, it is because it's based out of Puerto Rico now. But it's, it's, it's history it's, is it's not in Cuba, yeah. right? But it's a, it's a Cuban rum, Cuban family, Cuban recipe. recipe. Yeah. Right. It's it's the same with this. People people tell me right now, oh, but but this Havana Club is not made in Cuba. It can't be legally. It can't because the embargo. Right. But this is Cuban style rum. With the original Cuban recipe, mm-hmm. which is also different from Bacardi, and it's it's, listen, you eat pasta, it's Italian food. Is it really Italian? Right. It's a style. Right now you're drinking Cuban coffee. Are we really drinking Cuban coffee? No, because it was made in Hialeah. Right, <laughs> right. But it's a style, a technique. Right. Where it's made, la puma, that makes it Cuban. The same way this is Cuban rum. Yeah, it's it's not where where something is made so much as the culture, the history, the recipe. So the Havana Club rum. In Cuba, right. So let's let's continue mm-hmm. with the, with the history real quick. Mm-hmm. So there's a test later, guys. So, <laughs> yeah. so nineteen. So all the stuff ceases to exist. They make it only locally for a few people with whatever's left over in barrels, whatever. Sure. But everything goes to hell. Nobody knows how to make rum in Cuba. It's like whatever. These this guy leaves Ramon with recipe and all that stuff. In 1994, so now we're going from 60, 1960, yeah. right, Castro. 1994, a French company called Pernod Ricard. This huge French public trade company. They own mm-hmm. uh, Absolute Vodka yes. and a bunch of other things. They're like, hey, we have no room in our portfolio. We have a great idea. 
let's talk to the Cuban government, Castro and his people, and let's create a wrong. The Cuban government says, we have this thing called Havana Club, something they stole, yeah. and let's do it. They created that new brand, meaning that new branding of colors or font, the logo, the Giraldia. Oh, so they started fresh, they essentially. Started, that, that, was, that started in 1994. I know. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they did not respect any of, of what you see here, which is, again, oh. original. And they didn't respect it when they took it. Why would they respect it now? Right. And then that is one Havana Club that the world knows now. If you look at those bottles, mm-hmm. it even says 1878. Really? And when you ask people from Pernod Ricard, yeah. why, what's the story of what happened in 1878? Started, they, they, don't, they, don't, they won't reply to you. They won't, they don't. You go to the website of the Cuban Havana Club... And they don't mention anything of his family, man. In their defense, I think it's because you ask in English and they're French. <laughs> so they can't respond. Yeah. So they just put that there, obviously, for marketing reasons, for but sure. they don't have the history to back it up. Right. So in ni- the next year, 95, this happens like in 94, 95, the next year, Ramon Arechavala sells this recipe, trademark, the name to Bacardi. Once competitors in Cuba, and Bacardi's had this this whole entire time and launched it now. How long ago was it that they officially launched it? Like last year. Oh, it was last year because I remember the campaign came out. Right. Um, the whole thing about like basically what it means to actually be Cuban, even though you're not from Cuban. I related to that campaign a lot, and it's like the people from Law and Order SVU. Yes. Um, yes. Ramon. No, uh, Ra- uh, Raul. Raul Casa. Uh, Raul Casa. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna kill me later not to remember. I'm a freaking SVU fan, but um, I thought it had been around for a while, and they were just starting. No, we just to to, to publicize it. So this has only been around. For "Quote unquote." A year. A year. Yeah. Huh. Wow. I I, I thought it was around for longer yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. No, a year. But I think also we might have been a little decept, you know, had a little deception because of what you were saying. Where for many years people would come from Cuba, Italian la botella of Havana Club rum. So we probably just assumed it was always around, mm-hmm. always around, always around, and now we know differently. Right. I actually, I, I saw um, a report, they did a, a whole report on 60 Minutes a couple of months ago, yep. and I, it was fascinating the, the how they explained it and how they went to Cuba and like the people over there, you know, the bartenders over there are like, oh, we will not try this. And it's like, interesting because that is the original recipe. Right. Yeah. And, they, it's, and it's funny, I have, there's, a, there's a gentleman who recently went, you know, the Cuba One Foundation? Yeah. They go out there. One guy uh, came to one of my events, learned all about this. Loved it. He, he's like, yeah, I just came back from Cuba. I want to show you what I did. I'm like, cool, bro. He sends me a Dropbox link. He took this bottle of our Havana Club, the mm-hmm. original, to Cuba. Something that I've been, I've been wanting to do. But I didn't get it through customs. Right? <laughs> and he did blind taste tests. And was, he, did, he had a guy with video recording. He went around Pinal de Rio to Guajitos to like hey 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 my anybody, mom's from Pinal de Rio no, but to anybody farm I mean anyone and basically the video he's pouring the Cuban Havana Club and this one into bottles and marks them in the bottom bottle and goes to people which one like better and every single person like this one better and and now for nothing not because I work for this brand I like this better too it's it's a more refined it's a better product it's double age it's not Solera it's it's a different this is the original Havana Club mm-hmm what they're making on Cuba is, is not great. So What's, when when they launched the Cuban Havana Club in the 90s, uh-huh. they obviously didn't have the original recipe. Nope. So they kind of they figured it out. Kind of, okay. Yeah. 
So that's a whole other concoction. It's yep. not. What's yeah. the difference between the two, taste-wise? Because I know you said like it's double barrel. The, the the one here is double barreled. So, but, but taste-wise, what would you say is the biggest difference between the two? The the the, the quality. Because if you compare the whites, for example, which this is, uh, the blanco ours is one year old. Okay, there's three, and there's is you smell ethanol. It's still aguardiente. It's not as, as smooth. Okay. It's not El alcohol, just yeah, it's not it's not as refined. Okay. Just, just to give an example, you know, like okay. when you compare apples to apples, you 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 will taste the difference. I have I have a bottle that will crack one open. Oh. I'm, I'm not supposed to do it. Maybe I won't do it. Wink, wink. <laughs> I, but we'll. I want you guys to try it. And you tell me. It'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see after our our twenty first episode where we definitely got a taste of Havana Club rum from Bacardi. I, I have to tell you that I'm really happy you explained this story as I told yeah. you. I think it was an episode four. One of the earlier ones. We, we talked about it and, right. and we kind of gave a similar explanation than you gave. Obviously, yeah. you're you're from the brand, so... You're the, more steeped in exactly. it. Exactly. But I, th- I think it's fascinating because this is a, a kind of real life um, modern day kind of um, testimonial to what happened in Cuba and how, as you put it perfectly, things were nationalized and they were stolen. And sometimes people don't really stop to think about, it, especially newer generations or people that are not Cuban. But this is a perfect example how there's two Havana Club rums, but there's really just one. Right. And, and when you, I think when you meet, like, when if you ever met, if, one day I want you guys to meet Amparo and you talk to her or her daughter and like, when, when you, if you don't, forget about rum, forget about sugar, or any other company that lost, it's it's a story of love and loss, and it's what happened in Cuba, and it's something anyone can relate to. You know, I can talk to an American bartender and be like, "Is this your bar?" They're like, yeah. I'm like, what if tomorrow, you know, the president now Trump just to say he's the president now yeah. comes in and militia at gunpoint goes, "This is ours." Like, how would you feel? You know. That's what happened. That's that's fact. This isn't across the board. Across yeah. the board. This isn't marketing yeah. bullshit. This is no, no. That's history. The raw history of what it is. Yeah. And and fortunately for this country, fortunately that we're in this country, the United States, we respect the embargo where we don't import export things with Cuba because of that, because of stolen property. Just like with the Jews and during you know with the Nazis, how they gave back people the things that belong to them. Right. That still has yet to happen. You know that that we still respect the embargo. We have trademark laws in this country. Again, yeah. not, Cuba, they, they do whatever they want. Yeah. And again, I'm Cuban. I was born there. I go there. Uh, it's bittersweet because it's it's a beautiful island with beautiful people, with uh, with great music, great soul, great vibe. It's it's. I'm telling you, I love it. I, I love her. But you know, we we as many people had to leave. There were 1.5 million of uh, diaspora of of Cubans that left that that little island. That's Is that crazy. many? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. It's been going on for a while. <laughs> no, no, but like, we, you know, it's one of those things, I guess, maybe because I, mean, I was born here. So, I mean, I grew up hearing about it, obviously, and, right. and, and learning about it. I mean, I come from people who came from Cuba, but when you hear about it in the context of a number, it kind of makes it real. Not, not that I thought it wasn't, but you know what I mean? It just, it, the impact. It's yeah. like 1.5 million. That's a big ass number. And more than that, if, if, if I talked to you about Cuba back in his Haiti, like during Prohibition, when you couldn't drink in the US, Cuba was the Vegas. Cuba was, I've heard that a lot. Cuba was Vegas. It's when all, all the rich went there. There was partying, gambling, yes, prostitution. That's oh. so awesome you're saying All that my favorite things. I'm reading, <laughs> I'm reading uh, the book from TJ English. He's great. Where, when he talks exactly about that. 
Exactly. That's when Cuba Havana flourished yep. with all these hotels and casinos because people, you know, just 90 miles away. Which book are you reading? The um, the first one. Um, Not the corporation, but the other one. The, um, the one of the mob. The, yeah, yeah. The Cuban mobsters. Yeah, the Cuban mobsters, yeah. yeah. How they, they ran Cuba. Yeah. And that was Batista was... And that's the other thing. Batista was a president before Castro. And he was another crazy guy, bro. He he, he was he ran Havana. All the gambling, prostitution. He was in charge of all that. He he left Cuba millionaire. Everybody else lost everything when mm-hmm. Castro came in. Yeah. He was he saw the rise in the wall and left. So imagine you're 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 you don't live in Havana, or you do, and you hate what's happening around you because it's corruption. Batista was corrupt. Yeah, no, no, no. And also, Batista was great, but there, there's this guy named Fidel, and he's all Cuban, not an outsider, and he's very inc- extremely well spoken, charismatic, and, and he charismatic, and he came from the rich, but he cared about the poor, very, right. you know, very Robin Hood, and and, and, and he's and educated for sure. He studied here in the U.S., right? But came from rich family, and like, but he cared about yeah. the poor, and like, so people, I could see why people again were like, you know, they they love this this. This Castro personality, but then he became communist, and that—that's yeah. just you know. And um, if you go to the um, Freedom Tower, mm-hmm. there's a timeline. It's—it's it's fascinating because it, you know when you see the timeline, it puts it in perspective to what he's saying. It gives and you a timeline. The Freedom Tower is the Miami equivalent of Ellis, Ellis Island. Island. Yeah. Um, it gives you a timeline from the time he took power mm-hmm. to when he declared himself a communist, yeah. and he kind of dodged it for a year or two. Yeah. And then finally, he he like said, "I believe in communism and this being oh, yeah. communist state." No, so he, he, Castro. I mean, this hit, when you read the story, there's a, there's a biography. It's 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 huge. It's insane. But well, he went through like he 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 he'd get arrested and would just read and read and read, and then he'd go to trial and speak to death. And he was brilliant, you know. And people would be like, "Okay, you're free to go." <laughs> he was that smart, you know. Or, or, or another story: they arrested him. Finally, Bautista's people arrested him when he was trying to do his guerrilla campaign, and he was in a boat pr- in prison, handcuffed. And he threw himself off the, off the boat and like swam, like survived. Dog or so like you know, he was uh you know, but it's like Che Guevara. It's like you know, I, I to me and you know, I talked to Eileen from Finca. We we talked about it earlier, you know. Che Guevara people portray this guy like it, like if he's a, you know, uh, his picture or something. That guy was killing children, bro, and raping women and yeah, We had this people. conversation too, yeah. Like, 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 no, he's he's not an ideal. He's not ideal to be romanticized. Yeah, don't, you know? don't do it. But people do because they don't know better. They don't know better. The movies, the media. I airplane. Okay, we'll give it a moment. I one time spoke to this kid who was wearing a shirt, some white kid from, like, New England, and I asked him, hey, I I wasn't going to argue with him, but I just asked him, hey, what do you know about Che Guevara? You know, you're wearing his shirt. And he tells me, oh, man, he was a, you know, anti-establishment, and he was a fighter for the poor, and a revolutionary, and he fought for beliefs, and, you know, screw the establishment. And I told him, hey, you know, you might want to check, because, again, I wasn't going to argue with him, and... You might want to check that, you know, he he actually had a lot of people executed, and we're talking about 
thousands of people and that's something that's not disputed it's not that it's like did it happen or not happen it you could go on like wikipedia you know something as basic as wikipedia and find that information on there so you know you might want to take a look at it so you just you really know and I, i find that so many people as you said have a romanticized view of what he means and what he did and that's totally fabricated yeah it's a completely false narrative if you guys really care about all the stuff about Batista and the Golden Age and all that, mm-hmm. sorry, sorry, no, 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 no. no. If you guys really are interested in all this conversation about Batista and the Golden Age of Cuba and, and all that, uh, T.J. English is an author. He's a great guy. He he published a book called Havana Nocturne, uh, which is what you're reading. Yeah. It's, it's an incredible book, and it's 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 all about that. It's, it's a history. Of Cuba during that era before before Castro, but as as Castro's taking power, and then he just came out with a sequel called The Corporation, which is uh, basically what happened to all these people that left Cuba and came to the U.S. and it's all about the the, the mafia in Miami and the mafia in Jersey mm-hmm. City, where like people say Mariel, right? And Mariel yeah. was like a, you know, Castro eventually was like, all right, people want to leave and get out of here, leave, let go, but you're taking prisoners with you. The Miami Herald did a story a few years ago. Only 10% of criminals were in Miami. 90% ended up in Jersey City, New Jersey. And that's why New Jersey was like the underground illegal capital, like La Bolita. Uh It's also easier to hide a gun under a coat. (laughs) For sure. It's true. (laughs) But it's... it's, T.J. English is an incredible historian and an author. And uh, he's got a TV show coming out, a movie coming out. Oh, really? Yeah, he's... he's, uh, I know you're reading his book. I know we're we're trying to get him on the show, actually. Oh, I know him. Because, oh, well... I hang out with that. Well, there you go. When I go to New York, we hang out and stuff, yeah. (laughs) So, T.J. English, please listen to our podcast. T.J. English. (laughs) Come down to Miami. Or we'll go to New York. Why not? I'm I'm up for a weekend. No, he's he's, he's a great... He's great. Yeah. He's incredible guy. Well... Thank you so much for your time, Gio. And before we wrap up, though, because I know we're, we're getting toward the end and we don't want to take up too much more of your time. Mostly because we want to take another drink of something else. <laughs> um, so I know you've heard a, a one or two of our episodes, but we end every episode with what we call the last soda of the desert, la última Coca-Cola del desierto. And so we would like to, before we award ours, we'd like to ask you if you have anybody who you'd like to give the last soda of the desert to. I want to so pay this forward. You know what? It's up to you. I mean, we we've run the gamut between people who des- people who deserve it because they're doing good, or people who deserve it because they need to have a goddamn coke. Like they're just estancrancio, so you know they need to refresh themselves. So it's it's up to you. However you want to take it. Uh, I'm gonna say everybody just to be cool because I want everyone to have a rum and coke with lime. Oh, okay. With you know what? Because because people take that drink for granted. Okay. And you have a rum and coke with lime, with fresh lime. Just get half a lime, squeeze it in there. Mexican coke because it has real sugar. Not okay, I was actually going to ask you, what's your perfect recipe for a rum and coke? The, the Mexican coke. Go okay. get a Home Depot. Okay. No, the one that has like real. That's sugar. a little racist. Just because there's Mexicans outside of Home Depot. No, you they sell it at Home Depot. They okay. sell it at Home Depot. I buy mine at Home Depot. There you go. Sure yeah. you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so four ounces of coke, two ounces of dark rum. Two ounces of each. No, two ounces of dark rum. Uh huh. And, and the, four ounces of the coke. Four ounces of coke. The Mexican coke. Okay, and that's because that's got the sugar. Real king sugar, not simple syrup, caramel, mierda. Okay. <laughs> and half a lime. The lime, like like we had today with the lemon. Yeah. The lime takes that drink. You you have you drink that and you're like, this is an incredible, incredible. Drink. You just put the lime in it. You squeeze it, the half the lime, and drop it in, and just pour everything on pour everything on ice. You don't have to shake, do anything. Just it's a it's a built cocktail. You just build it. 
what more could you ask for? Simplicity and deliciousness. That's all. There you go. <laughs> Pay forward. Drink it up. There you go, guys. All right. DJ, do you know who? I'm actually, since it's this conversation, mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and leave it to Havana Club Rum and the Arechavala family because, as I said, I'm I join you in that. I found out recently that my, my, um, grandfather works for them and i grew up with all these pictures of my grandfather in what they call la central progreso which was in cardenas and be and it was very interesting my my grandfather my grandmother my mother my aunt um used to live uh, like six or nine months out of the year there and then the rest of the year they lived in Carlos roja and he worked there for many years and he worked for them and i didn't know about this until very recently wow. so look the, my grandfather is ingrained in something that's so historical and symbolic of, of cuba Right well, I'm, I'm gonna join you in that and basically just give it to Havana Club Rum because the drinks you have made for us today have been insanely delicious. Thank you. And by extension, then I give my last soda to you, sir, because it's been absolutely fantastic. And thank you so much, not just for the interview, but for hosting us. For bringing yes, you really did host your home. You really. I mean, did. this was very fantastic and, and just beautiful. So thank you for that. And and you're quite the influencer, and we really appreciate you taking time to speak to our little podcast. My pleasure. Love you guys. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. And remember to take your pastelito, your croqueta, and your jupiña, and have a great day. Talk to you later, guys. Bye. Bye. Cuando salí de Cuba, dejé mi vida, dejé mi amor. Cuando salí de Cuba, dejé enterrado mi corazón. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.